0: Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And today it's just going to be me. I'm going to chat with you just for a little bit about inspiration. Because one of the things I find is being a solopreneur, working for myself, I can get caught up in just you know the day to day routine of running a business things like taking care of accounting and making sure that you know i'm getting everything to my clients on time and sometimes the routine of that can get me a little bit bogged down and i think this can happen for everybody i mean sometimes people look and say oh wow what a great life you're running your own business you're doing all these things and from the outside looking in it can seem really exciting and yet some days I just need that little extra bit of inspiration because some days it's just like routine. No matter what you do for a living, sometimes the routines can really get get to you. Well, I just recently had a couple of days of really heavy inspiration in my business. As I mention all the time, I am an active member of the National Speakers Association, and in July, every year, that organization has a conference, and I think it was over 1,700 people. This is one of the biggest conferences of the last seven or eight years, ever since the recession. Over 1,700 members of the National Speakers Association came together for four days in Washington, D.C., And this event, it's a conference. I mean, many of you in different industries support your trade associations and you attend their conferences. And from the outside looking in, that's exactly what this is. However... I find it a place where I get real inspiration because I'm not a celebrity speaker. So I'm not somebody who my phone just rings off the hook. And I get to be around my people, those who are just like me. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some celebrity speakers who participate in the National Speakers Association. I think Harvey McKay, who is one of the most famous authors and speakers of all time, I think that he has missed one meeting in something like 38 or 40 years of, of coming to the National Speakers Association. Brian Tracy still attends. There are also several other people who make it you know, a key thing to make sure that they're there. But for me, I've never thought that the National Speakers Association was about stalking the celebrities or trying to become friends with the people who are like, ooh, wow, look at them. I have found it. To be a warm nest of friends where I can get together with people just like me and we can share what's going on in our business. And they have, you know, fantastic keynote sessions. I mean, every day, the general sessions at the National Speakers Association, I mean, by nature, you're going to expect some of the best presentations that you're going to find at any conference anywhere. So you're going to get that inspiration. And then there's the breakout sessions where people who are out there in the trenches doing the work every single day are opening up. Their business plan, their playbook of how they run their business, and they're really showing you this is what has worked for me. The person who founded the National Speakers Association, Cavett Robert, Robert, was famous for a saying that was, it's not about getting your slice of pie. It's working together to grow the pie bigger so that there's more pie for everybody. And 40 years later, the National Speakers Association has continued to have that idea that we can all succeed in this business. And the more we work together to grow the pie, to get more people interested in hiring professional speakers for their events so that they have even better conferences, the more work there's gonna be for all of us. So I mentioned the general sessions, you know. I don't know. They must have had 16 people present. And it was interesting because they had people do five-minute presentations – 10-minute presentations, 20 minutes, and then a full-hour keynote. And what was great is that showed everyone in the audience that speaking is no longer just a cookie-cutter business. Sometimes we're hired to come in and do five minutes. I've been at conferences where I'm doing a breakout, and they've said, Tom, will you do five minutes on the main stage to get the audience fired up about the networking and connecting that's going to take here? And they actually pay me to do a five-minute speech. And it's funny when that happens because audience members come up to me and go, That's what you do for a living. You get paid to fly to Florida or Washington or Chicago to talk for five minutes, and I have to explain that there's more to it. My services are more of a package in that type of an instant. But watching someone do a five-minute speech is a whole lot different than watching someone who is prepared for an hour. So four speakers on the main stage really stood out and just wowed me, and a couple of them are my friends, and so maybe I'm a little biased, but there were four that really said, wow. And the first one was a woman named Immacule, and I'm going to mess up her last name. It's Ilibagazia, Bagazia, Ili Bagazia, and she is from Rwanda. And you may have seen her story on TV, or you may have seen her speak, but she was caught in the genocide that took place in Rwanda you know, nearly 20 years ago, and she had to hide in a bathroom uh, to not be found and, and killed. And she now makes a living as a professional speaker sharing her story around the world. I have to say, more than most people, I pay a lot of attention anytime people speak, whether it's at a conference, heck, my priest at my church, whether it's a politician, I watch very closely, not just for the content that they have to share, but for the way they open their heart and the way they share their story. And Immaculate was one of the best speakers I have ever seen. She spoke with no PowerPoint. She had no notes. She carried a rosary in her hand. And she stood on stage. She didn't walk around. I often teach people when I'm teaching presentation skills to own the whole stage. She stood in the center of the stage, and yet she owned it. She didn't move, but she captivated the audience with the story of her life. And so that was so inspiring to be able to see somebody who had been through so much stand up there and in just such a raw, authentic way be able to share their story it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You don't have to be a professional speaker to be inspired by somebody like her. Another one of the speakers was the closing keynote, and he's a legend in our industry and a longtime member of the National Speakers Association. And that is Mark Sharon Brock, and he built a career. You may have heard his tagline. You may have seen him speak. He's for the last you know fifteen years, he's been one of the busiest speakers in America. And one of his speeches was called "Nice Bike," and it's about how people who have Harley Davidson. Uh, motorcycles have sort of their own language. And when you see someone with a Harley and you walk by it, you just have to look at them and say, nice bike. And they understand you at the heart. But Mark went beyond his normal keynote and talked about his life as a speaker. And one of the things that really touched me in an inspiring way was how he and his wife worked together from the very early days to build this business, how she ran the business and did the sales and how he went out and spoke and how they were a team. But where Mark really inspired the audience, not just me, everybody who was in that room, probably close to 1,700 people, everyone said that Mark schooled us all on how to tell a story. The way he used his words, not a single word was there by accident. Mark Scherenbrock never wings a speech. He doesn't just get up and and talk to an audience and hope it goes over well. He is an artisan in the way he crafts the spoken word. That was inspiring. Two other people who were on the main stage were my friend Neen James. And she got up there and she talked to the crowd with her Australian accent and her great shoes. And she got up there and captivated everybody in the way she inspired them to grow their businesses. How to take their content and make actual physical models, you know, draw them out on paper so that the audience can see and relate to them. It's something she and I have talked about one-on-one. I remember sitting at a Mexican restaurant with her in Austin, Texas, when she was speaking there last year, and she helped me look at my topic of cooperative significance, and together we drew a model of how I should be using this in a slide in my PowerPoint. But you know what? I didn't take action on it. And yet, watching her on stage... She got me to make it one of my goals between now and the end of the summer to get that model drawn so that I can share it with my audiences in a way that's going to have real impact. So see, inspiration, sometimes you have to hear it a couple of times and through a couple of different ways of being told to you before you're going to take action. But inspiration was present. And then there was my friend Jessica Pettit, who you've heard on this show a couple of times. And Jessica got up and delivered a five-minute Speech. And I think she finished in four and a half minutes. And it brought the audience to their feet. Now, sometimes at the National Speakers Association, they'll give a standing ovation to everybody who gives a speech. But you can tell the difference between when it's a courtesy standing ovation and when over a thousand people are motivated together in unison to stand to their feet in applause. And in that, she talked about, and this was great, she talked about how when we meet somebody, we jump to conclusions. We, I, I always use the word we put people in a box that's so big and it's blue and we set it on the shelf. And she told us it was okay. It's okay that we judge people because that's what humans do. But her advice, and this is something I wanted to share with all of you who are listening, this is so important. Her advice was when you make a decision about somebody, when you jump to a conclusion, leave room for edits and and as a writer, this meant, it just resonated with me so clearly because when I write an article for my blog or for a magazine, oftentimes the first draft isn't what gets published. There has to be room to make edits. You have to go in and make those changes. And yet, we don't do that always when we're looking at people. We, we decide how someone is, and we just leave that impression in our brains about them. And she told everybody in that short but powerful speech, she told everybody to leave room for edits. And I want you to do that. When you listen to a podcast, maybe my podcast, and you think, nah, I'm not sure this one's for me, leave room for edits and go back and listen to another episode. I find myself doing that with podcasts all the time is I listen for about 10 minutes to an episode and decide I like it or I don't like it. And if I don't like it, maybe I never go back. But you know what? Maybe that one episode... Maybe the host was off that day. I know I've been off. I've done almost 100 episodes. I know some of them are better than others. Some of my guests who I've interviewed have been more apt to want to open up their soul and share with the audience. And I know even on these one-on-one episodes that I do, sometimes I really have that spark, that ambition, that inspiration that I want to share with the audience. And sometimes maybe I'm trying just to get that episode done and get it out there. So if we judge based on a small snippet, maybe we're selling ourselves short. So I wanted to share that with you, Jessica's advice of leave, leave room for edits because I think it's something that we can use in so many areas of our life. Now, while at the conference this year, I did something a little different. Usually, while I've never presented at the conference, usually I attend every single session and I bring a notebook just for the conference because I'm going to fill it with notes. I can fill a whole Moleskin with notes just constantly just, you know, writing down everything I can. And then I go back and I I transcribe those notes and I try to draw out the action items that I want. But this year I really didn't have time to go to all of the breakout sessions. I, I did make it to all of the general session stuff, but I had the honor of being one of the co-hosts for the online simulcast. You see, hybrid meetings have become sort of a big deal. And sometimes people who are active members of an association can't make it. In the case of the National Speakers Association, sometimes people get booked for like that dream gig and it overlaps or it's on the other side of the country. Uh, Sometimes people have, you know, family issues. Maybe they have a new baby or they're caring for a sick parent. They have reasons they can't physically make it to the conference. But that means that maybe they miss all the stuff that's going on. Sure, you can buy the recordings later, but you don't get that live feeling. So more and more conferences are starting to simulcast their keynotes and some of their breakouts. And what the National Speakers Association decided to do, instead of going dark during lunch, which was two hours long, and the coffee and networking breaks, which were twice a day for a half hour each, instead of just going dark for the simulcast, they actually decided to provide live interviews for those who are watching at home. And I think there was something like nearly 300 people who had signed up to be part of the conference via the simulcast. So I was invited along with my friend Eliz Green to be the co-hosts. And when we were not broadcasting general sessions or breakouts, Eliz and I hosted sort of a little, like I said, it was like the Today Show. We had a couple of high boy chairs and a table between us, and we were able to bring in some really amazing people. The speakers who spoke on the main stage, but also some of the breakout speakers, and then just people we saw roaming the halls and a few of the legends of our industry. Eliz got to interview Jeannie Robinson and Robertson, and she was fantastic in what she shared. I got to interview Mark Scherenbrock and Harvey McKay, and together we interviewed countless other speakers who shared advice with the people at home that they weren't able- nobody was able to get if they hadn't been on the simulcast so those of us who were live most people never saw these interviews they strictly went out to that other world it was so much fun to be the host and i'm hoping as more and more conferences are looking to hybrid simulcast their events if they want to have a live host that this is something that i can add to my product line because it was so much fun and we tried so hard to provide an experience for the people who were watching online that was more than just like they were watching some sort of a broadcast but instead that we were coming into their living room and sharing with them. So that was a lot of fun for me. And actually, getting to work with my friend Eliz, we laughed. I mean, it was kind of like we were, you know, uh, Matt Lauer and Savannah Guthrie sitting there laughing and interviewing people and kind of having our own little morning today show. Uh, although it would have been nice to maybe pop a couple of glasses of wine from time to time and be more like Hoda and Kathy Lee. Uh, so that was a fun way to spend the conference, but it was a little different, but it was still inspiring. Because I got to volunteer. I mean, they didn't pay me to do this. I got to volunteer for the organization. And I got to have an experience that, for me, was a very unique way to spend the conference because I'd been seven times. And so that's something that I recommend to people is if you're going to attend a conference, shake up the way you do it. If you just show up get your hotel room, go to all the same events year after year after year, it can start to become a little routine. And so this year for me it was inspiring to actually have a role that was out of the ordinary for me. Last couple things about the conference that was inspiring is the conference ends with a big awards banquet. Uh, The association is over 40 years old, and for, I don't know how many, 35 of those years, they have given out awards of excellence in the industry. It's sort of the Speaker Hall of Fame. It's called uh, the, I forget what CPAE stands for, but it's something like Council of Peer uh, Something Excellence. Sorry, I should have written that down, but it's the CPAE Awards. And this year, they give five a year And it is to people, it's sort of the lifetime achievement awards of the industry. And they have been given to all kinds of people over the years. And this year they went to Laura Stack, uh, Jeffrey Hazlett, Walter Bond, Simon T. Bailey, and Steve Shapiro. Now the most interesting thing for me, now that I've been an active member for six years, is I actually knew all five of those people. Whereas the early years when I went, yeah, it was so inspiring to see people who had really made a mark on the business and to, to hear their stories. But this year, to watch them call names of people who I've known and admired, but but actually had conversations with, uh, and some of them I call my friends, that was actually a fabulous thing and, and very inspiration inspirational for somebody who is dedicated to an industry to finally reach the space where your friends are getting the highest awards possible in the industry. I'll tell you, it would be another 10 or 15 years before I would ever be eligible to ever receive an award like that because it takes a long career. And I'm still relatively a newbie as a professional speaker. It takes a long career to reach those heights, but it was very inspiring. And then the Cavett Award, which is given to somebody who serves others in a way that goes far beyond Uh, The norm was called out and it was given to my friend Gary Rifkin. And as soon as they said his name, I watched the entire room, I was fortunate to be sitting up in the front of the room uh, at a table that was situated somewhat near the stage. And as I stood out of the corner of my eye, I could see the rest of the ballroom. And Literally 1,500 people, when they said Gary Rifkin's name, rose to their feet and pumped their fists in the air. He's one of these people who has given so much for well over two decades to our organization and our profession and to the clients that he serves. And he's one of those people that when he's in the room with you, you are always so glad he's present. That's inspiring. And it was great to see him win this Cavett Award. But as I said that, you know, think about that. Isn't that what we'd want others to say about us? Don't you want people to say about you when he or she is in the room, we are glad they are present. That is something to to aspire to, and that's something that I think Gary really gets. So I was very fortunate this year to be able to have a great experience. Now, I don't have a notebook full of notes, and so I will have to go back and listen to some of the recordings of the different breakouts that I didn't get to attend. But I'm also going to meet with my mastermind group, who was present at the event, and ask them, what were the best takeaways that you got? I'm going to call some of the key people who are are most influential in my career and ask them for the pieces of advice that they learned, because I'm trying really hard to grow this business. The rest of 2015 is pivotal for me, in being able to continue to grow this business. But it's always inspiring. Today, I just booked a new client, and I ask them, the first question I ask a client when they when they call me is, how did you hear about me? And this is always fascinating because sometimes someone sat in a room and watched me speak. Oh, I was at the uh, such and such association where you were the keynoter last year. Sometimes it's somebody referred me who they uh, know well. Sometimes they found me from a Google search. Today, they found me from a reference from a meeting planner and this person who was organizing this event shared with me, she loves to ask meeting planners, who do you recommend? Because they're hard to please because they see so many speakers and the speakers are so important to their success. So it kind of made my day today that this meeting planner who I don't actually know, she saw me speak a long time ago, referred me to this group and said, this is the one referral who I think is perfect for you. So that's got me really pumped up because as I'm coming into the second half of the year, I have big goals of what I want to accomplish. But since I left the National Speakers Association, I haven't really worked on my business very much. Uh, I'm recording this podcast because I do kind of have a commitment to those of you who listen that I'm going to put a show out every Tuesday and Thursday. So even though I'm on vacation, I'm sitting in my hotel room making sure I get this out. Now, the truth is, if I didn't release a show on Thursday, would any of you go, oh, my life is over? I don't think so. I don't think anybody would, most people probably wouldn't even notice that there wasn't a Thursday show. However, I have that commitment. I also did the show last Tuesday. If you haven't listened to the show where I interviewed Corey Coates, who is the co-founder of Podfly, and Podfly is the uh, production company that I use to produce the show. If you didn't listen to that episode, go back to Tuesday's show and listen to the interview with Corey Coates. He is so smart, and he does such a good job of giving advice. I mean, he's working in one of the hottest industries right now. You, you can't talk about business without hearing about podcasts you know, the new cars are coming out with with Stitcher and iTunes in their, in their sound system built in, so podcasts are going to be easier for people to listen to in their car while they're doing their commute. The business is hot, and yet Corey was just so down to earth. We sat in a coffee shop in Montreal and just talked about business advice. And speaking of Podfly, it's time to thank my sponsor. I'm waiting till almost the very end of the show, but Podfly productions, I just can't say enough things about them. This episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions and if you're thinking about starting a podcast, you need to go to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for you because Podfly takes the hard work out of creating a podcast. I never would have been able to have this show if I had to do the production because I know myself and I'm not a tech guy and I don't love the idea of sitting and playing with the sound and adjusting the levels and adding in the intro and the outro and doing all the things you need to do to have a great sounding show but podfly does all that for me and they are great to work with so i'm just gonna like casually just tip my hat to them this week instead of reading the whole mid-roll script i'm just gonna say if you're listening to this show and you think hey i want to start a podcast i'm gonna say go check out podfly right now well you can wait till i sign off So, but as I said, I haven't worked on my business for the last week and a half since leaving the National Speakers Association, and that's because my family took a vacation. And if you want to find inspiration, take a couple of days away. My wife and my two daughters and I went from the conference in Washington, D.C. because we all went as a family. My wife went out and explored all the wonderful treasures that Washington, D.C. has to offer. My daughters were part of the Leadership Academy, the Teen Leadership Academy, that's put on by the National Speakers Association. My oldest daughter has been through the program. She went for four years, and this was her second year as a youth leader. My younger daughter finished her second year this time as a participant. Participant in the program. And just a sideline, how cool is that, right? Sometime about, I don't know, 20 something years ago, 25 years ago, someone looked around and said, why are all the kids of the professional speakers out in the swimming pool at this conference? When meanwhile, we have Zig Ziglar sitting over there by himself having a cup of coffee. Somebody came up with the great idea of next year, let's get a ballroom, put all the kids in it. And let's have some of the thought leaders, I mean, I don't know that they used the term thought leader 25 years ago, but they said, let's get some of the thought leaders to come in and talk to the kids about life and success, you know, and and they did. And the program took off. It sells out every year. It's over 150 kids who go and attend. And my kids love it. But it means that I have to go to this conference every year. And it means that the whole family has to go. So traditionally, what we have done as a family is tacked on a family vacation in Orlando, in Southern California, you know, in Philadelphia, wherever the conference is going to be. But this year, the conference was in Washington, D.C., and and we have already vacationed as a family in Washington, D.C. So this year, we decided to go up north. We decided to go to Quebec City, Montreal, Niagara Falls, and Toronto. And I got to tell you, if you have never traveled to Canada and you want some inspiration— It's as great—I've taken the family to—we've gone to Europe five times, and some of these places in Canada, like Quebec City, you feel like you are in an old, old city in Europe, and the airfare costs half as much, and the people are twice as nice. So I have to tell you that taking a few days off and going and seeing the beauty that exists in the world—we had a hotel room that overlooked Niagara Falls— So we could just sit in the room, we went out and did other stuff, but we could just sit in the room and watch the power and the majesty of the falls. It was amazing. And seeing nature in its best, in its most amazing natural ways unto itself is an inspiration. So how about you? What inspires you? For me, it was getting together with, you know, my peers at a conference. It was taking a few days away with my family. It was reading books. I, while, I, you know, the different plane flights, I was able to read through a couple of different books. But for you, it might be something different. You know, if, if you're looking for inspiration, it's right there. You already know what inspires you. Think about it. Go and do it. Sometimes it's as easy as renting a kayak. I know that's something that I used to do in Austin As I would go out and rent a kayak on Town Lake and just take an hour. Leave my cell phone behind and just paddle out into the lake and look around. That's inspiring. But I think as entrepreneurs, we have to find a way to recharge those batteries. We have to find a way to look at the world a little differently so that we can sort of get the ball rolling again the next day. You know, sometimes I joke that I feel like my my business name should be Sisyphus because every day I push the rock to the top of the hill and I wake up the next morning, the rock's at the bottom of the hill and I got to do it all over again. And it can get overwhelming. But the reality is, is I love what I do. And because I love what I do, I just have to find that little piece of inspiration that can get me to go and push that rock again. And that's what I want for all of you. I want you to be excited about your businesses. If you haven't started a business yet, I want you to be excited about the idea of coming up with what you're gonna do for your business. If you've got a small business, if you're a solopreneur, you know, I want to hear from you. I want you to email me. I, I, I want to become friends with you because the more friends we can have who are doing the same type of stuff, who are, who are pushing that rock, the more friends we can have who are doing that, the less lonely this whole thing seems. So that's my two cents about inspiration today, a little bit of a story about NSA, a little bit of a story of my vacation, and a little bit of hope for you that you find inspiration and that you can take it to the next level. Thanks for listening today, and tune in in a couple days. We'll be back with another interview with somebody very cool. If you liked this episode, shoot me a tweet at Tom Singer or at Cool Podcast, and let me know that you listened all the way to the end. Let me know that you, you know that, that this is worth it when I sit down and actually punch out a few minutes on the recorder here to send you an episode, even while I'm off in Canada. And uh, again, if you really do like the show, I really appreciate it if you jump over to iTunes and leave a review. Early on, I got a whole bunch of reviews because a lot of people, it was new and all this, but now I I get fewer of them, but it's funny because I'll get emails from listeners and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm totally mean to do that review thing and they never get around to it. So hit stop and jump over to iTunes and and hit review and, and leave four or five stars and let me know why you love the show. You know, having those comments from the listeners is how the show gets found. That really has a lot of power. And I appreciate every one of you who've done that. And I appreciate every one of you who will go and do that. Anyway, I'll be back. But in the meantime, go out there,